This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 773. For a long time, I just used the, I was trying to steal other people's why, to be honest with you. I was just trying to copy other people's why, which was, I want to I wanna get to financial freedom, so I don't work anymore. If you see something is going on and you're not motivated for whatever reason, but more importantly, looking to know BSY that is definitely, definitely linked to your core values in life. What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, here today with my co-host, H. Wash. Henry, what's going on today? What's going on, buddy? Glad to be here with you. Yeah, and I'm curious, how many people have called you H. Wash over your life? I said that like it's unique. I'm pretty sure I'm not the first person to say that. Several people have called me H. Wash, but most people call me J. Wash because I actually used to go by JR as my as my name. And so uh, Jaywash was was my moniker for quite a while. So you became so famous and well-known, you didn't have to have a cool first name anymore. Henry would do. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> Total flex. Like, I'm so famous, I can have a very boring name like Henry or David, and we could get away with it. I don't have to change it. But yeah, from Jaywash to H-Wash, the Henry Washington story, make sure you follow him online at what the, the Henry Washington? The Henry Washington. You want to see more? We also have a fantastic guest today. This was a true pleasure to interview our guest with Henry, Pasha Maleknia. He has what I call the full package. This guy has an incredible story that might even make you cry. He has the heart of a lion. He has the brain of a crazy mad scientist. He has tight systems. He has a great approach to real estate. He has a humble attitude. If you could design a real estate investor in a lab, it might be Pasha. And everyone is going to learn something from listening to this person as well. Be inspired. Henry, what were some of your favorite parts of today's show? Yeah, Pasha is just a phenomenal human being. But what I love about his story is it it really, truly highlights the fact that this business requires a little bit of education and a lot of action. And he took massive action, uh, you know, after uh, what he'll tell his story. And that massive action he took, he didn't have every step of his path laid out before he did it. But he took the action and he learned along the way and he had successes and he had failures. But I really, really want people to see that you've got to take the action, learn from your mistakes so that you don't repeat them. But don't be afraid to move forward without knowing every single step that's going to be laid out ahead of you. Yeah. Pasha tells some stories of mistakes he made. Henry tells some stories about mistakes he made. We didn't have enough time for me to talk about all my mistakes because these (laughs) podcasts are only about an hour. But none of the mistakes were debilitating towards Pasha's career. They actually just helped propel him along further. I thought that was a great point. And Pasha's honest about his nerdiness and how sometimes being a nerd, wanting to be perfect, not make mistakes can get in the way of success and how he overcame that. So I'm telling you, this is episode that has something for everybody, whether you're a new investor or an experienced one. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. 
Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? (laughs) It's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Before we bring in Pasha, today's quick tip is learn what a good deal looks like, then learn how to make a good deal. Pasha talks about that in this interview. He describes exactly the books he read and what he did to figure out what a deal should look like. And then he went out there and found a property and turned it into the deal that he wasn't able to find without using some creativity. Listen to the episode right before this one, number 772, where we cover how to analyze deals in 2023. If you want to know what a good deal looks like. All right, let's get to Pasha. Pasha Maleknia, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. How are you today? Where are you living? And where are you investing? Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, I live in Northwest Arkansas, and I do invest in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, but recently, we are also looking into South California, as crazy as it sounds. Well, I can help you in South California, and Henry is a Arkansas boy. Is that how we got you here, Henry? Was this one of your connections? Yeah, man. Uh, Pasha, we've been uh, obviously in the same in the same network here and met. A few, you know, probably about a year or two ago, just through some some local connections here, and and Pasha's Pasha's a rock star in his own right, man. You guys are like a, a lion pride over there. And in a previous episode, I said if if Henry was an animal, he would be a lion with his mane. And we just found out that Pasha's name means alpha lion, which is probably the coolest name any man could ever have. So uh, we're off to a great start. I'm in good company right now. I'm liking this. 
I'll play the Rafiki to your guys' Lion Kings here. <laughs> All right. So to bring our audience up to speed with your portfolio right now, Pasha, you're sitting on about 20 units with the mix of short-term rental, medium-term rental, and long-term rentals. You're cash flowing almost $70,000 a year, maybe a little bit more as of this morning. I understand you just closed on a deal or you're close to. You started investing three years ago. That's crazy. And you cannot pick a favorite board game. First question I got to ask, why can you not pick a favorite board game? That's a very good question because uh, there are so many of them and they're all amazing. Uh, so at, at some point, uh, people were like, oh, you, you invest in real estate. You've got to love Monopoly. And I was like, uh, th- that's, that's okay, but there are so many you know, better games. So right now, right now I'm okay with just sitting back and just enjoy whatever games we play every time. So are you like a connoisseur of board games? Like, do you do you play them and rate them on a scale of one to a hundred? And maybe this could be like a, a website you could start where you do you have like a YouTube channel where you just rate board games experiences? Maybe, man. Maybe, maybe if we are full retired, we'll do that. But uh, yeah, we actually get together a lot with a lot of. I mean, there are some of my friends that have like rooms full of board games, so we're not we're never gonna run out of it. Real quick, a follow up question: You're you're looking at some places in South California. D- d- remind us what what encouraged you to start looking there. <laughs> so uh, BPCon uh, was in San Diego, uh, and my wife and I were there. And I was like, "Wait a minute, why are?" And it was like around like October, November, and like it was pretty cold here. And I was like, "Wait a minute, why are we like you know giving up half of our time, sitting cozy in our home? Well, you can just come out and you can enjoy the view, and it's like seventy degrees. I mean, let's let's actually make this a goal and try to move here by the end of the year. So. Uh, next year, which is going to be this year. So that's, that's the plan. Henry, what did you think when you got to experience some of that San Diego weather? Oh man, I'm, I was born and raised in California. So I'm very familiar with San Diego weather. And every time we go, so like I've always said, if I was going to move anywhere out of Arkansas and stay somewhere else long term, it would be San Diego. Uh, it's just so expensive. And, but here's the catch. Like the allergies that are so bad here. Like my daughter, my youngest daughter gets terrible like ear infections and it's my wife's just like a, a wreck during allergy, allergy season. And like the second we get off a plane in San Diego, it's like magic medicine. It just all clears up. And so now I'm like, I just feel like this, this bad father for not getting, for him husband for not getting my family to someplace where the allergies aren't killing them. Logically speaking, you'd be a terrible person to not move to San Diego now that we've... That's about how I feel. (laughs) So both of you and anyone listening, when you guys want to move to Southern California, let me know. I'll get you connected with our team and we'll help you buy there. When when I was there for BPCon, I remember thinking, this is why I can't come here because it's like the Bermuda Triangle. You you do not want to leave once you get around there. It'd be a complete productivity killer. You just want to enjoy your life all the time because it's so nice there and nothing would ever get done. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I don't have any money to I can't live here anymore because I haven't worked for like the last four years because it's so nice. So I guess passive income will allow you to live in San Diego. Otherwise, you got to be very focused, man, because that place is the Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Just wanted to say, like, we've been monitoring the prices of home. And obviously, nobody can, like, predict the market. But the prices of, like, Southern California homes are dropping so fast that we're like, we can house hack. We can just go there and, you know, we can run an Airbnb or something. We don't we don't mind doing it. Um, and we're like, this this seems doable. So definitely, definitely going to connect with you after the show. That's what we specialize in because it is expensive to live there. It, that's what it's like. The best locations with the best weather, the best amenities, the best everything are going to have more demand. More people are going to want to live there. There's only so much supply. Can't build into the ocean in San Diego. So it's going to have higher prices. So the question needs to be, how can I afford to not live here? 
instead of can I afford to live here? Because it's always going to seem unaffordable before you look at it creatively. But that's what we do as investors, right? We look at the world that way. Speaking of investors, especially for someone that's only been doing this for three years, Pasha, your investing journey started at a very specific moment three years ago in the middle of the night. Can you take us back to that moment? Oh, yeah, abs- uh, absolutely. So, um, uh, I, I used to be like the typical employee, right? Like clocking in at 8 a.m. and, you know, clocking out at 5 p.m. Uh, super, super risk averse. So I remember when we wanted to buy our uh, primary residence, we were like, okay, the worst case scenario is going to happen is going to be like, I, I got to get laid off. I mean, if I, if I get laid off and uh, we better have like, you know, five, six months of expense in reserve. So that was our like, uh, big deposit of money. And uh, that was, uh, you know, betting against the, the worst case scenario. And uh, that was it. That was basically my life for years. And uh, uh, it actually changed all in in, in one night. Uh, and I can give you a little bit of a more context because uh, I, I think there, uh, there needs to be a little bit more context. The country that I was born and raised, uh, uh, you, you are required as an adult male to do a military service. Like when you, when you hit a certain age, you have to go and you need to like, you know, spend two years and it's usually something stupid. Like you need to guard a post or something like that, but it's going to take two years of your time. Uh, so we didn't, we didn't want to do that. So before I was reaching to that age, I actually got out. And, uh, because of this, I, I, I never made it back to my country for, I think nine years by then. And, uh, basically I was just like, Living here, again, an employee, I was working for Walmart. Uh, I was uh, helping them with like the data science and coding and stuff like this. And uh, they actually came up with a new regulation back home, which was like, hey, you can actually come back and you can visit your families and everything for a couple of months, but uh, you, don't, you don't have to do any service. You can actually leave again. And uh, we were like, cool, that's, that's awesome. Uh, but there was a fine print underneath of it, which was reading like, as long as it is during peacetime. Uh, if it's war, you will be drafted. Uh, like, yeah, sure, cool. So, uh, I actually flew in, uh, I think it was, uh, end of, like, really close to end of December back in 2018. And, uh, couple of days after I arrived, uh, there was a drone attack that killed a top, uh, general, uh, in military. I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but that was a big deal back then. It was just a couple of months before COVID. So after that, it just washed all of that away. But, it was such a, such a huge deal. Like the whole country was raffled and, uh, my wife was here in the U S so she calls me and she's like, get the hell out of there. Like there's going to be war. Uh, you don't want to be in the middle of that. I was like, no, I, I just got back here. Like, you know, after nine years, I want to see my friends. I want to see my families. Uh, we're good. Neither side wants to start a war and it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be all right. And, uh, back then actually, uh, Trump was saying, uh, if you guys do any type of anything in line of retaliation, there's going to be like a full on war and we are like all in. So the stakes were high, but I was like, there's no way, like neither side wants to start a war. There's no way anything's going to happen. And, uh, I remember like I was sleeping and it was like, uh, at midnight and I see my phone is ringing and ringing and ringing and like someone is not giving up. So I pick up the phone and it's my wife. And she tells me that, uh, Pasha, they actually uh, launched a missile attack to an American base, uh, and there's going to be war uh, announced in the next couple of hours. So you have a couple of hours to get out of the country. And I was like, oh, crap. So I uh, I looked it up, and it was true. Um, and whenever something like this happens, usually they shut down all the commercial airports, you know, because they don't want to get you know caught in the middle of this. 
so I checked it out. Almost all of the airports were shut. There was one airport that was working and there were few flights uh, going out of that. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take my chances. So uh, I took one pair of underpants. <laughs> I clearly remember that. I think guys can relate to that. A uh, couple of credit cards, uh, my passport. I didn't even say goodbye to my parents. I just took a cab and I, uh, it was uh, more than a, a couple of hours uh, to the airport. So I actually took a cab to the airport. Uh, I got to the airport, uh, I got a flight to a neighbor country, uh, and I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I think I made it. So, uh, like I was all sweat and everything, just a backpack and I just get into plane. I'm, I turn back and turn on my uh, phone and I just check to make sure that you know, everything's good, you know, talk to my wife. And, uh, I read, I read the news that shocks me to the core. Uh, same airport, uh, the previous flight, uh, uh, unfortunately, um, the flight that left uh, was shot down by two missiles and 176 people died right on the spot, uh, which is horrible. This is still one of the biggest catastrophe of our uh, recent history. And uh, I, I didn't know what to make out of it. I was just shocked. And uh, on top of that, I was in the same airport and I was going through the same direction that that flight was going. And uh, there wasn't a lot of information back then, but I was thinking there is a very good chance that I wouldn't make out of it. And I, I clearly remember I had like 8% battery charge or something. I didn't have a lot. And I was like, it, this could be my last 15 minutes. And if that's the case, what am I going to do with it? Uh, so uh, I, I was like, okay, I need to get myself together. What am I going to do with this? Uh, so... I was like, okay, uh, because I, I was the one who was handling all of our financial in our home. I was like, okay, I'm going to schedule an email to my wife for two weeks uh, because I didn't want to just send her an email with all of our financial information and everything because I knew she will freak out. So I was like, I'm going to schedule it for two weeks. So if I can't make it through, it's, it's going to be two weeks. It's probably enough if something happens, uh, she'll be pretty upset. But after two weeks, you probably go back and check your emails to check for the bills and stuff like that. And then she will receive this. Uh, obviously, I told her how much I love her. And then I was like, okay, here's our like credentials to, to the bank. Here's our credentials to the stock. And here's our, like things like that to make sure that she has access to it. I didn't want, I, I wanted her to have access to everything I had, basically everything we had. And then I scheduled the email and I remember if it like this, Literally a couple of minutes later, the phone actually was uh, was out, out drained. And then I and I thought to myself, and I was like, "Wait, wait a minute! Um, like after thirty something years of like life, I I'm just living behind like just a couple of months of expense, and that was it. That was nothing else. And uh, I, right there, uh, I realized like I I needed something else other than me because I always assumed that I have infinite amounts of time available to me that I can trade in my employment with money to, you know, to pay for expenses. But then I realized it was like, I actually needed to have like a box, like another entity, like a box that can generate wealth that doesn't depend on me being around. Cause that's probably the most stupid thing to assume that I'm going to be alive for the rest, of, you know, the rest of the eternity. So I needed to have, I remember I just imagined it as a box that just generates money regardless of whether I'm there or not. And uh, I remember clearly that I was like, oh, my God, I, the, the true cost of employment, specifically for corporates, is that you will use your prime time. You will use your uh, peak performance uh, for someone else, and you will basically make someone else box bigger. And you do not use that, and the opportunity cost is huge, and you will not 
use that time to build your own box. And it's all because of the comfortness and, you know, the ease of just that paycheck coming in that you don't want to go out there in the rough and just build your own business, which is definitely going to be hard, but ultimately that's what you need. And I, and I hated myself so much because deep down I knew that I had the potential to, to build it, but I never did it. Does that make sense? So if I was like, I, I wanted to build my box, I knew I could, and I never did because I was just too comfortable with these paychecks that were coming to me. And I was just building and making someone else box bigger. So I was like, I'm going to get through this flight. I'm going to build that box, whatever it is. I, I had no idea what that should look like, but whatever it is, I'm going to bring something to life. That's going to just generate wealth for my family. That even if I'm not around, they're going to just continue uh, enjoying it. And then it's just going to be passed around. And, uh, well, obviously I, I made it through and, uh, the rest is history. So there was something about that being shocked out of your comfort zone. I may die. War may be happening. This, uh, predictable nature of life, wake up, go to work, clock in at eight, go home at five, pay my bills, do a good job at work. Uh, you know, keep Bob, the supervisor happy. That was shaken by this reality that you're now staring at it in the face and something about that brought out this desire that you knew you had inside this potential that was there that had just been kind of living dormant this whole time. Absolutely. Like, like after that, now I had a blazing why I need to do something like this. Like before that I, I came across like the concept of fire a couple of times. Like it wasn't like I'm, I was completely like not attuned to it. It was just, it wasn't resonating with me because I was just under the wrong foot. I was just like, so uh, blindsided to the fact that like life, like I have, like everybody has a very fragile body and you could easily die and nobody has promised you your next minute. Uh, but you need to have, a, are you, are you comfortable with not living the box <laughs> for your family or the, the, the ones that you love? And I was not. And it, it killed me that I never saw that, that it was all in front of me. You know, a lot of people don't get, um, they don't get time after their wake up call. And what I mean by that is you might get a bad diagnosis, right? Or you might get um, some bad news. And typically, a lot of times it doesn't come with a lot of time afterwards. You were fortunate enough to have your wake up call when you potentially had some time and you immediately started acting on it. And I just... You know, I, I want to commend you for that because, again, like a lot of people go through these things and they, you know, they think, oh, if I can only get through this, I'll, I'll be the best version I can ever be. Right. So how did you like what did action after you had that epiphany look like? Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, 
hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from six, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. Oh boy, uh, I, I remember, Henry, when I got off that plane, uh, it might sound a little bit cheesy, but that's true. Like when I got off that plane, I, I was a different person. Like I was like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it. Uh, so I, I started looking around, like I didn't even know what, what it was called. And then I realized it's called passive income. And I, I was so far away from this world. Like I'm a coder in, in core. Like I'm a, 
I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. Whatever you want to call it. It was such a such a such a distant world to me. But when I started looking it up, and I, but I was working uh, in real estate department, so uh, it, like I was I was uh, kind of in that world, but not really. So when I started looking it up, uh, different venues and everything. I actually uh, came across a good friend of mine. His name is also Brandon, and uh, not not very Brandon, but uh, uh, Brandon is also a great friend of mine. And he he actually introduced me to Bear, and I was like, "What is B R R R R?" And I was like, "No, no, no! You say Bear. You don't you don't just like read it like that." So, oh, okay. So he added me to a Facebook group. It was called like Bigger Pockets Fans, and I was like. Like, are these, at first I thought it was like a clothing company or something. And it was, and then I was like, okay, what is bigger pockets that has like bigger pockets fans? And I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. So like I ordered, like, I don't know, you can see like half of them here. Like I ordered like, I think 20 bucks from bigger pockets store. And I was like, I'm going to read through every single one of these. And, uh, I probably picked the worst first book to read, by the way. Uh, which, which, which uh, book do you guys think is the worst first book to start with? I, I just want to know your opinion before before telling you what that was. Of the bigger pockets books, yes. Berg would be a little confusing if you didn't know anything about real estate investing at all. Um, long distance real estate investing, basically both the books I wrote, I can see not super great for beginners. What do you think, Henry? Oh. Uh... Would you raising private capital? That's a very good guess. That's a very good guess. Uh, I started with advanced tax strategies. <laughs> and then I started reading how to uh, calculate, how to estimate rehab costs by Jay Scott. And I remember I was reading it and it was like, okay, there are three, like five different type of roofs. I have no idea how to use that, but that's okay. I'm just going to fight. I, I just want to go through this. I want to make sure that I know everything. And, uh, but when I, when I actually, David, it's funny that you mentioned this because when I actually read your book, uh, then I was like, oh, now it makes sense to me. Like now I realize what it, what needs to be done. Uh, now, now I realize how I can use these things that I, that I read somehow. You had a framework to put the information that was floating around in your head in, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But like, the, just to give you like an idea, like how, how much something like this can change. And I really want people to list, like, I really want people to use this if they can, so they don't have to be in the same situation that I was. But uh, I actually read Reach That, Poor That before all of this fiasco. And I remember it was such a boring book to me. Like, it was, I was like, who cares you were in like, you know, you were a kid and you were in retail. So just get me to the point. Like I was in a completely different type of mindset. Right. And then after this happened, I was like, oh, I, I think there was a book that was like, talking about this too. And, and I just like listened to this like over and over and over again. Like, I, I think I listened to it like three times. And it, I think it all goes back to like the why and, and, uh, and why you need to do this. Well, your mind was being, uh, transformed basically. Like wh when I hear your story, I get this image of a, a scientist looking at a microscope. You're going to work every day. You're coding. You are super zoomed in on very tiny details that become your entire world. And you spend your entire eight-hour day in the microscope. You forget that there's stuff happening around you. You forget that there's someone eating a sandwich next to you and you can smell it. You just don't notice any of that. And that experience that you had, that life or death type of an experience, pulls you out of the microscope and you're like, there's a whole world around me. And I haven't even been thinking about it because it's just so comfortable to look down my scope here. And I really think a lot of people 
either can relate to that or waiting to have that moment in their own life. It could be an unexpected pregnancy that you're, oh my goodness, like life just got serious, right? Or you fall in love and you decide you want to get married or a family member gets sick. Like it could be, you just lose your job. You thought you had a great job. We've had guests on before who were perfectly content with where they were until they lost it and it shook them up and it forced them to look at things differently. And they all come back and say, I'm so glad I did it. This is such a better way to make a living. Um, I wanted to ask you, so basically like going back to where you were, you make it into the U.S. safely. You are all in on using real estate investing to generate wealth. You get pulled into our world. You understand the BRRRR method and you, you, the fashion brand Bigger Pockets becomes your preferred type of clothing. And you're listening to these podcasts. You're sucked into the world that Henry and I live in. Walk us through your first deal. How did you find it and what was it? Absolutely. Uh, uh, so f- first of all, it was, it was really hard to do it because Everybody around me were telling me that, like, don't do it. Like, I, I had friends actually stopping by, like, at 10 p.m. And they're like, I, I couldn't stop thinking about, like, saving you. Don't do it. And I, and I told them, I don't care. I just need to build a box. Like, even if it's the worst time to build a box, I want to build a box. And I think you should do it, too. Uh, but then uh, I think there was a duplex coming up. Uh, Henry's uh, uh, familiar with that neighborhood. It's actually near downtown Bentonville, uh, an area that actually got a lot of attention. And uh, it was a duplex coming up, and it was severely under uh, market value based on the square foot price. Uh, it came at like 11 p.m., and uh, uh, we put an offer on it at 7.30 a.m. Uh, and uh, we put it on a contract for $3,000 more without looking at it. Uh, and my agent was like, the only thing that the seller agent says she needs is that they just want to sell it as is. And I was like, I, th- I think it's good. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Based on theory, I think that that sounds like a good deal. So yes, let's do it. So we bought it for $248,000. And I-, I haven't even seen inside the house. So it was like a big moment for us. And when there was inspection, there was like a five days inspection period or something. And then we walked with the inspector inside the house uh, home, it, like it looked, it looked okay. People were living in there. Uh, it was generating like eight hundred dollars one part, and like another part was the owner. So even if we were renting it with that rate, it would it wouldn't be even close to the one percent rule. But again, I wanted to build the box, right? So uh, uh, we we looked at everything. Like definitely needed like some work. And I remember like one of the bathrooms didn't have a toilet and I was freaking out. I called, I called one of my friends that had a real, uh, real, uh, you know, a real estate. And I was like, dude, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a toilet. And it was like, it's 110 bucks from Lowe's. Don't worry. You're going to survive that. I was like, oh, okay, good. Good to know that. So we were really like, you know, going like, but what I want to say is like, we were going forward. There was no good coming back. You know, and it was like, just how can I make sense of it as, as we go forward? And then we looked at everything, dude. It was like 2,800 square foot. Uh, so it was roughly about like $90 a square foot, which is pretty good price for that area. Then it was like $130. And then there was like a pantry door, uh, shape that I opened and I saw the best thing ever, which is stairs going down. And we went down and it was like a full finished basement with additional bathroom that was not even included in the listing. It wasn't even included in the county website. Now, all of a sudden, we were looking at a 3,800-square-foot home in downtown Bentonville for $248,000. And I was like, if if somebody wants to send me a sign, I think this is it. <laughs> like, that, <laughs> like, it was just all over the place. So, like, I loved and, and, like, the seller was like, it's, if, if you want, like, you know, we can... Uh, 
uh, it can like, you know, stay, can we stay here for like, you know, a couple of days more? I was like, whatever you want to do, I, I just need to close on it. <laughs> and uh, actually, they actually moved out. Uh, uh, we, my wife and I were like, okay, we're going to renovate it ourselves, right? As, as the first thing. And uh, we watched so many videos. We definitely, you know, uh, geeked the hell out of it. We watched five videos about how to wash your paintbrush, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and then we started painting the painting the walls. We did the flooring ourselves, uh, which I think was the biggest achievement of that renovation. Was that our marriage survived? I think that was that was the biggest thing. I was just gonna say, like, if you guys didn't think Pasha was brave for having an epiphany. And then acting on it, diving into this unknown world of real estate, diving into it so much so that he didn't even realize that not having a toilet was only a, a couple hundred dollar fix. Uh, that is the epitome of bravery. Some might call it stupidity, but I'm going to call it bravery. If you didn't think that was brave enough, he then decided to test his marriage by by doing a, a DIY renovation on the first one. You were expecting that. HGTV experience where the, your wife's so happy and she's like, Oh my God, look, I did a, I did the, the, the paint. And, and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's so good, babe. And the two of you are bonding with this like pizza, cute pizza box in the background as you're like wiping paint on each other's face by egg. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Pasha, where did you put the brush? That was a $20 brush. I was like, Oh, shit, sorry, mate. <laughs> you're not using the right form. The video showed elbow up first. Like, you're getting your Mr. Miyagi on trying to tell him how to paint the fence. Yeah, that uh, that's exact. Real estate is has probably caused more mur- unsolved murders than anything else when it just comes to these like how how high stress levels can get in. Like, yeah, that's a great example. So, was there a point there that you realized like we're not doing this anymore, or did it get better? Right after that, <laughs> we just we just renovated one side of the duplex. We we're like, okay, good. Let's lesson learn. We're not going to do it anymore. We're going to hire somebody to do it. This is stupid. Like we can't, we can't just do it ourselves. I had a very, I had a very similar story when I, we decided to paint our kitchen cabinets together for the first time because I didn't want to spend the two grand or whatever it was to paint the cabinets. It took us like three weekends. We were fighting about it. I finally called the painter. The painter had them done in like two hours with the spray gun. And I was like, never again will I do anything. I've had the same moment. I love it. (laughs) That is, I mean, it's so, so true. I just, I hear people say all the time, why pay someone if you can do it? And they just, they're revealing that they do not understand how learning curves work. That is a two-hour job for a painter with experience and skill and tools and resources. That is a three-week job for the person. Now, here's the good news. After you get done doing it the first time, the next time it won't be three weeks. Maybe it'll be one week. But then it's going to be a long time before you get to where you can do it in two hours, right? And meanwhile, you haven't made any money buying deals or doing the thing that you're good at. So I, I agree 100%. Like Sometimes you have to get in there and try it your own way. Here's your jujitsu analogy for the day. Everybody always shows up at jujitsu class and they, they hear the instructor showing them the technical way to do it. And it's just a pain in the butt, to be frank. Like it's, it's puts you in a position where you're a little bit uncomfortable. You're having to like hold a, uh, like a, a pose for lack of a better word that your body doesn't like. You're like, no, nah, I can just do this. This will work just fine. And then a lot of people just have to keep trying and trying and trying until they finally like they're tired of getting beat up by a guy that's 110 pounds and they go, what do I have to do? And at that point, now the instruction you've been giving clicks and it makes sense. Sometimes we got to go through that in life where you have to just get in there and suck at it 
be very frustrated, feel a lot of pain. And you're like, all right, now I will listen to the advice that the experienced people were telling you from the very beginning. So thank you, Pasha, for sharing that story. Because we all have our own little stubborn cabinet painter inside. And sometimes we just got to let that let that guy have his moment. <laughs> I would say, though, like when you do something yourself, uh, you do real, like you gain a little bit of a knowledge to be dangerous enough so that you can like call out if somebody is like not doing a job right. Like, I mean, that, that part of it. Cause again, I was complete, like coming from a different world to this, but, uh, but like, for example, now that I have like my flooring guys, like, oh, you get the door jabs right, right? Like using those words just show like, you know, you know, a little bit about like where the hardest spot to look at. And they're just, they're like, oh, okay. Like this guy probably knows this stuff. So we can't just like overcharge it. All right, Pasha. So, so you, you w- learned from sweat equity. You, you put some time in there. Your marriage survived this. Congratulations on that, man. Hats off to you. Uh, we don't need any more divorces in this country. You're now sitting on a property that has been rehabbed and, uh, has an ARV of $600,000. Is that correct? Correct. So we actually rented it and then we, uh, renovate, uh, we refinanced it. The first time it came back at 420, it was right after we added those things. Uh, and then, we refinanced it again when the prices went up and it was like, you know, about $600,000. So we were able to lock it down for like 2.75, I think, for 30 years fixed, which is... What kind of loan did you use to buy it originally? What was the... What- conventional loan. So the, the, the very fir- my very first purchase was like using a conventional loan to buy it and using a conventional loan to refinance it. Uh, uh, and we'd be just like... like Literally just put like 20% down to remember the six months cost of living expense. Like we were going all in. Uh, now you're right. There's definitely some, uh, whiff of craziness to it. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, but we actually use that money to, uh, to put down. And then, uh, I, I use the method that I call like negative interest rates, uh, uh, for the renovation. So the, the, the $60,000 would be spent on the renovation was primarily coming out of, uh, our, uh, uh, basically playing with the credit card world. So utilizing credit cards. And again, just, just a disclaimer. This is one of those things that you really want to be good at. And if you are not disciplined, it's going to come back and it's going to like hit you 10 times fold. Uh, but, uh, we, we basically just, uh, uh, open credit cards with like 0% interest rate. We'd sign up bonuses and we were just using that. Uh, we were racking the, uh, points. And at the same time, we were not basically using any money of ours. And when we were done and when we refinanced it, we got the money back to pay off the credit cards, which we did. And we actually put it into a, like a saving account. And on 11 months, we paid all of those like one month before it was going on. But just long story short, I, I looked into how much money I had and I knew that I wanted it to work. So we looked into all different options that we could use, uh, different uh, loans that were available to us, and then we just used those. Totally. I, I You talk about the credit cards. You, I'm glad you made the caveat because absolutely, if you don't have the discipline that you can end up taking what is 0% interest and turning it into 24% interest uh, very fast. But I did, I did a very similar thing. I used my 0% interest credit cards to pay for my first marketing campaign to get my first deal. So I went I went all in, it, all in there as well. Um so you mentioned you bought it with the conventional, you refied it with the conventional, but then it sounds like you learned more about different strategies. So what other strategies have you are you using or have you used to continue uh, building your portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, right after we were done with the renovation of this duplex, uh, uh, and it's just a side note, one of the things that we do whenever we want to start a project right now as part of our step-by-step system is that we introduce ourselves to all the neighbors around the home. 
Uh, we give them our phone number, contact, and we tell them, hey, we are going through a renovation for this property. If the noises are high or something, you have our phone number. You can reach out to us directly, um, which, by the way, is great because you've got a lot of set of eyes on your property. So uh, there, was a, there was a lady that was our neighbor that came to us, and uh, she was like, well, we want to sell this property that we have. Do you, do you want to take a look at it and maybe buy it? And by then I actually had finished like, you know, how to raise capital, uh, book and all of that. And I was like, yeah, I do. And, uh, uh, we talked to her about like seller financing. Uh, unfortunately it wasn't the case for her, but then I, I knew that I could use that. And then I uh, used, uh, construction loans, which is basically when banks come over, take a look at the property and they loan you the money based on ARV, not based on your purchase price. So we basically put together the plan that we had. It was a beautiful three bedroom one bathroom that needed a lot of work. Um, and our plan was to turn that into a uh, five bedroom, two bathrooms. Uh, and, uh, we were actually adding a square footage to the home. Uh, so the ARV was higher. Uh, the bank looked at it and they, they were like, you seem like you know what you're doing. So we're going to go with it. Uh, they lend us the money. They, uh, lend us the construction money and same thing. When we were done, uh, we basically refinanced it again, cash, get the cash back. And we actually turned that into an Airbnb. So it's, I think it's like brar than bear. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's been that, that property is also working absolutely amazing. Thank God. I like, I really, really like with the burr method when people add square footage to the home, especially if it's a small home, it's a 3000 square foot house, adding more square footage has diminishing returns, but this doesn't get talked about enough because for a long time, when we first started teaching burr, it was just buy an ugly house, make it prettier, pull your money out. It was simple. And then as more people learned about it, more people got into real estate investing, competition increased, became harder and harder to find those deals that just needed a facelift or just needed the cabinets to be painted where you could spend $2,000 on a painter and increase the value by $25,000. You had to get a little more tricky. And now we're at the point where it's much better to go find a 1,200 square foot house in a neighborhood full of 2,200 square foot homes literally make it bigger makes it very 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 difficult for the appraiser to give you the bad appraisal you just have to have a little bit more construction knowledge you have to have a little more creativity you have to have a little bit more understanding of how the, the permit process works with cities it's definitely not as fun but is very profitable so i love hearing that and when you talked about your surprise basement that just gets me going man i don't love anything more it's better than reaching into your coat pocket and finding a hundred dollar bill that you forgot about when you see that there's oh there's space that nobody used it's waiting it's like just this awesome present that the universe has handed you that's i i look for that more than it's so much that i'll give everyone here a quick tip when you're looking at pictures on zillow or redfin or wherever you look i don't click on the right arrow that takes me from the beginning of the house into like the front of the house then the front door and then the entryway and then the kitchen i click on the left arrow I want to see the backyard and I want to see all the ugly pictures the realtor wants the, the normal person to see last. That's where I see, oh, look, they have framing, but no drywall. It's not finished. Oh my gosh. They have electrical outlets already run. They have plumbing and drainage that's already run and all that. That's where those pictures are going to be. And I almost don't even look at the house unless I see that. Do either of you guys have a similar experience when you're analyzing properties? You look for the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's. You, you said it right 100%. I love looking for it. And so right along with this, when I'm browsing properties, the first thing I'm looking for, I love seeing houses that have um, sunrooms, um, that have formal dining rooms um, or formal living rooms 
or um, and so what I'm looking for, especially sunrooms that aren't heated and cooled, like you can see them, but they're not included in the heated and cooled square footage, because then I can take and if, if it's already if it's already under roof and under and over the foundation, but it's just not heated and cooled. I just have to figure out a way to get a run from the HVAC in there and then I can put flooring and insulation in the walls. And boom, I've added heated and cooled square footage without having to knock knock down exterior walls and build additions. And so you can find you can find value. I like the formal living and dinings because you can take most people don't use them anymore. And you can take those and easily convert them into bedrooms or bedrooms and bathrooms. And it doesn't cost a ton. Again, you're not adding square footage, but you're adding value by adding bedrooms and uh and potentially bathrooms so what you can look for is when you're browsing look for homes that have larger square footage footprints than the bedroom and bathroom count would indicate right if you see a three two 1500 square feet that's about normal but if you see a three bed two bath with 2200 square feet 3000 square feet now you know there's some extra space in there that you can add value to under roof that's a great, great point. That's what we mean when we say don't find a great deal, make a great deal. Because if it could be found, someone has already found it, I promise you. But if it could be made, only the specific people listening to podcasts like this that have the competitive advantage will see those angles. You can learn all of those strategies that Henry just said and more in the Burr book that Pasha mentioned there. By Bill at biggerpockets.com slash burr. All right. So Pasha, you, you have just come in and taken the world by storm here. You're doing great. You're, you're making mistakes, but they're good mistakes. You're adding a lot of value. I mean, usually people screw up on their first couple of deals, but you are able to avoid that. Let's hear about what your units are cash flowing for. Like start in 2020 and then add every single year to where you're at now. Uh, the first year, uh, we were like minus $1,200, if you will. Then the next, uh, like, when we eased into the next year, that's where we started running this Airbnb and that's where we actually started doing the, like, you know, getting, uh, renters for our units. So now we were going back about like now positive $2,500 ish per month. And then, uh, we, we basically just went to the next level, which was now we wanted to buy like, uh, the, our next properties, which was uh, a triplex. And, and you're absolutely right. Uh, like they were all uh, on market deals, a couple of deals that we bought after that. Like it was just there. Uh, we looked into it and we realized, okay, there's like a good potential to add value here. We converted a lot of garages and then uh, we, again, we added cash flow to it uh, as we were going forward. Uh, so we were making about like 24%. And then after that, we like, we went basically from two units first year to four units next year. And then uh, we went to uh, 11 units after that. Uh, additional, um, uh, additional units. I mean, so by, by then we were like about 17, 18 units. And then we added another, um, uh, four units to the, to the, to the portfolio. So we just kept adding a cash flow to what we've been making. And now we are like roughly about like 55, $5,600, like pure cash flow that is coming to that. And that, that was at the end of 2022. By end of 2022, I think we were close to like, I think 6,800, $7,000, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, the other units that I'm actually having right now in 2023, uh, because they're vacant and they're, uh, basically consuming my cash flow that it actually went down to 5,800. We believe after they're done, we need to, we probably going to go back to like probably 75, $8,000 uh, $8, a month. That's, that's the number that we were projecting. And does that include the one you, 
closed on or did you close on one today? Man, I wish I was able to tell you I closed on it today. Stupid title company didn't get the, the payoff amount. So it's, it was actually pushed back. Stupid title companies, man. I, I'm so done with them. Like, uh, but, but it's, uh, it is, but, uh, like it's, it's a huge spread. Uh, we are, uh, not so, uh, I, I don't know, uh, if it's an answer to your question or not. The, the quick answer is no. Uh, I, I, those deals that are, we are, closing right now, especially because of the interest rate, we are kind of changing our strategy a little bit. And we are basically uh, going after homes that are cash flowing to hold and uh, those homes that are not cash flowing, but we can sell, we capture the equity. And then for the other homes that we'd like to hold, but they're like just right at the edge of cash flow positive negative, we use that money to lower down the loan amounts that we're getting to make them cash flow positive. Uh, and then basically we open a line of credit so that we have access to that cash, but we basically park it inside those homes to, uh, to make the cash flow work sort of, if that makes sense. Because uh, we immediately realized we were giving up on a lot of deals just because they were not cash flow positive. Because uh, the deal flow was working. Like we, we, we were seeing a lot of deals, but they were like, wait, wait a minute, we can wholesale these deals or we can actually sell these deals. Uh, we can flip them. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, what I, what I know about Pasha is so when he said he was a nerd, I already knew that. Uh, cause Pasha, every time I would meet up with Pasha, uh, he would talk to me about some new, uh, bot or, or, program that he was running in the background of something that was scraping somebody's data and bringing him all this super magic information and helping him to buy deals or manage things. And a lot of it, even me being a data and a techie guy would go over my head, but Pasha's just super duper smart like that. But now you've actually taken this technology passion you have and you've married it to real estate, right? And so Talk to us a little bit about how you've created systems and automation through your through your your nerdy background. So uh, yeah, uh, as uh, as you mentioned, like you know, I uh, in nature you can lock me in a room and you can just put food at the door and I will give you code. It's I just love doing it. Uh, so we were like, okay, uh, what are the things that you're doing? Step uh, step back and see like if we can uh, automate it. And if we can systematize it and better than that, if we can use a software to do that. So uh, when it comes to property management and asset management for us, we first hired property managers and it didn't work very well for us because we looked into PNL that uh, they were getting a huge chunk of our uh, basically uh, gross revenue. And uh, at the same time, uh, we didn't feel like we were getting the result that we wanted, but we learned a lesson for the first flip. Uh, so we didn't want to, uh, manage the properties ourselves either. And then I was like, okay, what if I, uh, kind of build a system around property management so that I kind of like control the input process and output and see if, if that works before, uh, before going all in and just writing a check and, uh, giving it to the property managers, Not, nothing against them. It's, it's, I just didn't feel like that's, that's the way I wanted it. So, uh, we used softwares, uh, to collect money, to, uh, process the, the, the maintenance tickets. And I was like, well, I don't have to be involved in any part of this. I can just basically hire a virtual assistant that will look into that and they will just connect, you know, the problem to the vendor. And then after we did all of this, I was like, well, why don't I just automate the rest of it? Uh, so we, we added like, you know, different, uh, 
gadgets of like uh, leak detectors is one of them that really helped us a lot. So right now, all of my rentals actually have these like, you can buy them for like eight bucks. Uh, that whenever there is water, it actually like beeps like a smoke detector. So we placed it all over. And so far, it has saved us from three floods. Uh, works works really well. Uh, um, and it's basically just that as a system. And then we realized like we can also use software uh, to automate that piece as well. So basically, whenever we have a flips or something like this, um, we put, because the flips are a little bit different than rentals, because rentals, you have people in there. They will see it, they will fix it. Flips, you're not there. So if something bad happens, like if there's a flood damage, it can cost you eight, $9,000. It can easily eat through all the profits that you were looking into making, like a good portion of it. So uh, I think, uh, I, I haven't seen the solution out there, but I'm pretty sure somebody can listen to this and build it. Or you, I, I can just uh, try to share the, the, the code or uh, make it a little bit more friendly. But basically there are leak detectors that connect to, to the Wi-Fi. And whenever there is water, there's an API handle that they will just push to the server. Uh, so you'd be able to basically have an app that connects to it and you know whenever there is water in like, let's say unit one. And then there are devices that can like shut off and shut on, uh, like shut off and open water valves that you can just put right into the, the, the water that's coming to your house. And basically it's just going to be simple as whenever there is water detected, if it is like in an hour that nobody's working there, then just shut off the main valve, send me an email so I know what's going on. I can set a contractor the next day. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't like, you know, really damage the property that you've been working on because that, that happens a lot. When it comes to building a system, <clears throat> do you have a system to build systems? Is there a process that you follow if you have to build it? What can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, man, I could talk hours for a uh, little about systems, but, but basically, uh, systems are like, in my opinion, Input, process, output, right? And they're like like little piece of Legos that you can just put together. Like you, the, the output from the first system can feed into the input to the second system and can go on. And if you can actually build this together to kind of customize it to the need that you want. Uh, however, one of the things that I noticed a lot of people uh, forget to do is that they just think that's it. Like input, process, output is going to be your uh, system. And then they just build it. It works. And then they just back up. And then they, 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 they think that it's going to work for ever, happily ever after. That system is going to be amazing for the rest of the time. Can you give us an example of an input process output specifically with real estate? Uh, for example, uh, one of the things uh, that we've been doing is making sure that, you know, we are renting our properties correctly, right? You want, you want to rent it at the right price, price range. And you want to make sure that your vacancy is low. So basically your revenue is higher, right? Uh, so, uh, as, as I mentioned, we don't use property managers and we have a, we have a rule that I shouldn't do anything, uh, other than building a system for my system to manage the properties. So one of the things that we had was like, what if I have a system that walks a person through how to set up a listing, put it on the market, do the advertisement, do the application process and be done with it basically. Uh, so we built that learning, uh, material it's called knowledge base. I, I don't get into much detail of it, but basically that system is we have a property. I just tell my VA, this is the, this is the listing. Just go like, you know, set it up. And, uh, if, if everything works fine, we already have the pictures. 
the process is basically putting it on the market on Zillow, Facebook, you know, different places. And output is having that place rented by a decent renter. Now the KPI, and it's been working great so far. Like I'm so proud of it so far, like knock on wood, uh, the non-flip ones on average is like five days vacancy. But uh, the KPI here will be if the vacancy of the property went higher, what is this system going to do again? Um, and so for example, in this case is if our vacancy goes after 10 days, what did we do wrong? So it needs to go back to the process. Maybe it's pricing. Maybe it's not advertised correctly. Maybe it's the time difference. But whatever it is, I, me as a business owner need to design a system, feedback system that can come back and update the process so that this doesn't happen again. Hopefully I answered your question to make you. Pasha, this has been awesome, man. This, I think, is one of our uh, the better shows that we've done. You have an amazing story. You have a great approach to real estate. You have a voracious appetite to learn. You have the heart of an alpha lion at getting out there and getting things done. And you can build systems. You are the complete package. We are talking about the LeBron James, the Tracy McGrady, the Paul George. You've got it all. And you are doing great with only three years into your investing career. So we are definitely going to have you back on again, particularly to hear more about systems and how other investors that love real estate, but probably don't love the chaos, the mistakes, the time consumption, the stress that comes from not having systems and trying to operate without a tight, clean approach can really benefit from what you're doing. So Thank you very much. Any last words before we get you out of here? The only thing that I'm going to say is uh, if, if, if you, it's just like a piece of advice, I would say uh, that if, uh, if somebody is listening to this and they are still uh, thinking that, you know, I don't want to start, I don't want to do it. That's absolutely fine. I would just say, go back and visit your why. Because uh, for a long time, I just used the, I was trying to steal other people's why, to be honest with you. I was just trying to copy other people's why, which was, I want to, I want to get to financial freedom. So I don't work anymore. It wasn't my, I, I love my job. I still work for Walmart because I love it. I love coding. I love building system. I, I love automating stuff. It was just not resonating with me. So it wasn't, it wasn't like hot enough to, you know, keep me standing, keep me you know, up during the night to think about how I can do this better. I've, it was just not my why. And what I would recommend is if you see something is going on and you're not motivated for, for whatever reason, one, look into psychological problems. I mean, maybe you have ADHD or something like that. But more importantly, look into uh, no BSY that is definitely, definitely linked to your core values in life. And if you can get that part right, like you, you need to fight yourself. It's not an easy thing to come up with a, with a very good why. Uh, and at least it wasn't for me. And uh, you need to do that. And when you have your why right, everything else falls into place because you want to do it and you will find a way because you know why you're doing it. So you will just keep going. You will just find a ways. You just create new ways. Nothing can really stop you if you know why you're moving. That is awesome. Don't copy someone else's why. You got to find your own why you can't copy their systems you can't copy their approach you can't copy the knowledge that are in their books you can copy everything but the why henry how about you anything you want to add before we go absolutely and what i want to say is you absolutely can copy their systems because i am a user of some of pasha's systems on managing properties and so when he, when we have pasha back guys you're going to want to tune in he's going to he's he, he literally set a goal this year to never have to go to one of his rental properties for anything. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And so we've been implementing that as well. So he's very good at building systems and they work. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Pasha, thank you very much. We will have you back. If people want to find out more about you, where can they go? I'm actually on uh, Instagram right now, uh, Techie Real Estate, T-E-C-H-I-E, Real Estate, all one word. And uh, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Tell me you're a nerd without saying the word nerd. Techie Real Estate, I love it, man. That's perfect. Good thing that you're an alpha lion to balance out that nerdiness, man. Great job. It was great meeting you, Pasha. Thank you so much, sir. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, buddy. This is David Green for Henry the Lion King Washington. Signing out. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and BAM! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.